Welcome to the Unhustle Podcast. In this podcast, we stand up to hustle culture, busyness, overwhelm, stress, always on mentality, and life in the fast lane. I'm Milena Rigos, and I'm your host today. We believe in challenging hustle culture and status quo. We believe in a new way of living. With this podcast, we hope to help you make a change, find the courage, shift your perspective, and transform your life. We have conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, and people who have made a change in their life. It's our goal to inspire you, motivate you, and challenge you to unhustle, claim back your time, get clear on your priorities, connect with your heart, focus on you, and live a happier, healthier, more balanced, and more fulfilling life. Thank you for joining us. Now listen to today's show. This was Justine Bloom and our conversation on the Unhustle podcast about how to redesign your life and live a heart-based life based on your values, your passions, and what's more important. I hope you got some value out of these conversations. I know I'm really excited to check out her meditation course as well as her journal. Hi, Justine. Welcome to the Unhustle podcast. Thanks, Milena. I'm excited to be here. Me too. Me too. I can't wait to get into your story and hear some more of the Australian lovely accent that I'm hearing across. <laughs> Thank you. And I could listen to your accent all day as well. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So let's dive into it. Um, why don't you take me back um, and give us the little brief story of how you got to where you are today? Sure. I will uh, not give you the full story because I think, uh, you know, I've explored that on my blog and on other podcasts, but ultimately first 20 years of my career um, have been in marketing in various different formats. And um, I feel like I I feel like I can say that I'm self-made. I didn't uh, have a lot of support from parents financially and, in fact, you know, lived kind of alone from the age of 15. So it's always been up to me. And uh, I, I think I was born with, born with hustle in my DNA. And if you look at my astrology chart, um, and I have had someone look at it recently, it is almost written exactly in there, <laughs> which I found kind of amusing. Um, so, yes, it's been a lot of different um, twists and turns, and I definitely didn't take the the traditional route, if you like, but ultimately what where it landed me is um, uh, I had uh, a period of time where I was running my own business in Australia for about five years, and that um, burned me out. And then I uh, decided that running a business and being the CEO of an agency isn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to uh, go back to my strategy chops and get back into the work. So I think when I was running an agency, it was uh, a lot of things that I'm not good at. You know, it's accounting and legal and putting out client fires and things like that. <laughs> so around about that time, that was when I decided I would move to New York uh, and do uh, a stint there. I'd always wanted to do a stint in New York after visiting uh, multiple times and feeling 
as everyone talks about, you know, the energy of New York. Uh, but the the reality of living in New York was very, very different to what I anticipated. So I did go back to my strategy roots and I was in, um, again, inside agencies running strategy teams. And uh, the the relentlessness and the pace of New York was like nothing else I had experienced. It was, uh, you know, you talk about the energy of New York when you visit and when you live there, you realize that's just 9 million people that are stressed and like running <laughs> to the next thing. And so that energy is, it's a lot. And uh, I'm an introvert, like on the whatever scale you want to look at, but the Carl Jung introvert extrovert scale, I get my energy from being alone. And so stepping out into the streets of New York was quite draining for me. And the, the pace of meetings and how many meetings were packed into a given day, you know, I was just constantly drained. Uh, and, but I kept pushing on because that's all I'd ever really known how to do was just push through it. And so pushed and pushed and pushed and took on a new job that put me into uh, a, it was almost like the pace of New York amplified again, which is a strange choice, as I'm sure everyone listening is like, why did you do that? Uh, The intention around it was very driven by ego and I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I was taking a job because of a title and it was a title that had been promised to me at the agency that I was at and it hadn't eventuated. So when someone else offered it to me, I jumped at that chance. My ego was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't really make that decision with anything other than my head. Uh, And so it didn't take long. Uh, for me to realize just how much a completely head-led decision uh, compromises you and so made um, some pretty drastic changes in my life while still being in that situation, decided to really lead my my life with my heart and make completely different decisions. That led me to um, take on a side hustle, which sounds like a complete <laughs> Um, it's like counterintuitive or counterproductive, but the side hustle gave me so much energy because it was about mindfulness and bringing mindfulness into the workplace that I, I felt energized by that. So it did kind of counterbalance just how much I felt drained in my uh, nine to five. And then, you know, ultimately all these heart led decisions woke me up, uh, heart led decisions led by, a really strict um, meditation practice twice a day. I was, I just knew I wasn't going to make it if I didn't have my twice a day meditation practice. Um, but that then, of course, became less of a, um, a strictness or a discipline, if you like, and more like that was what started to really open me up. So, yeah, and in the towards the end of last year, around about when I launched um, a, a planner, which is about mindfulness in the workplace. That was when I made the decision, you know, I just had to change. I had to make uh, a new way for me to get about life. (laughs) And I kind of recognized that there was a fair bit of workaholism that had, um, I I don't think I was aware of that was uh, something that was defining me, but the inability to switch off was, uh, was really all pervasive And even though the mindfulness that I had been bringing into my life was helping me to cope with that, it definitely was a Band-Aid. And so I had to 
uh, tear off that Band-Aid and fix the wound. <laughs> so that meant... Um, so know, what leaving, did you do? Yeah, leaving uh, New York in uh, April of this year. Um, I left that job behind, decided, you know, I did not want to work full-time in an agency ever again. And uh, I have stuck to that so far. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and really just to go and explore and find a new way of, uh, of existing in this world because, as you know, like society demands certain things of us just to uh, survive. But at the same time, I just felt like there, needed to, there was more to life. And uh, my son is 16 now. So I have a few more years of him kind of being in my orbit every day and it kind of hit me that, you know, I could spend that time working myself to the bone or I could spend that time with him and have a little bit more balance. So I've really been reprioritizing and focusing my energies into things that light me up, things that give me energy, time with my son um, and work. I think the work, uh, the workaholism does creep back in um, when I'm, when I, I'm going to say I allow it because it is, it's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. And, but the, the, the amount of time that it takes for me to realize that has definitely shortened and I stop, pivot, come back to my boundaries and my core and my center and, and reset from there. Wow. I love your story. And, and I've told you that before, we're so much alike in, in our stories, you know, and I yes. do, I really feel that there's so many people, especially in the digital marketing industry. I don't know if it's the, uh, if it's the demands, um, the stress, the, the, the fast life. Um, but, but the there's some, yeah, but there's something about, you know, the, the pressures, the projects, we love it. I think, um, just like you, I definitely have that hustle in my DNA, but then I also have the, the, um, my values. And I think when you connect with your values, just like you did and you, and you go and you, and you look at your life and what really matters to you. And like you say, you're pro- pro- and yeah, you're a workaholic. You probably still are working really hard, mm-hmm. but I make a difference between working hard and hustling. And I would say New York agency life um, and certain people definitely promote hustling um, where, where there's a way of going about your day that that's more, um, sustainable and 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 I think your mindfulness and and meditation practice open up a lot of doors for that, and you're able to connect with your values. And I really want to explore. Uh, you mentioned how how you 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 looked into changing your life and 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 creating a new way of living, and you connected with what's most important to you, and that's you you know your time with your son, because in a couple of years he's not going to be with you anymore, and that's. That's really courageous thing to do because so many people would still be um, in in a in a state of thinking of I'll change my life when the kids go to college, and and that's kind of what I'm trying to do with and hustle is open up their eyes to the world and say your life matters and and you you shouldn't be waiting for the next month or for the next year because that may never come. Um, that was that was actually the exact script I had been telling myself. So when we moved to New York, my son was 11 and I had rationalized in my head, well, he's going to be a teenager and he won't want to hang out with me anyway. 
Because when I started my business in Australia, it was so I could spend more time with him. It was so I could pick him up from school every day. I didn't like the the idea of him being in before and after school care. So I had, you know, I've been previously making decisions from that place. But knowing how I was when I was a teenager, you know, the old scripts of when when you have a teenager, they basically close the bedroom door and don't speak to you for a few years. <laughs> That's what I had kind of scripted in my head. So I thought, oh, it's fine to go to New York and for me to hustle for a few years so that I can afford to give him, you know, a good start in life. And ultimately... Yes, for many years I was like, I will change my life the minute he goes, the minute he finishes high school, I'm going to change things. I had this whole plan in my head <laughs> and it's just amazing how it, it did really feel like it hit me in an instant uh, where I, I had this really visceral realisation of, oh, my gosh, like what am I doing? I'm, he's going to be gone and I'm going to miss him and I've had all this time because guess what? He did want to hang out with me. Like he did not turn into like the teenage monster that closed <laughs> his room and, and grunted at me. He, we would hang out all the time. We did so many things together and we had these really deep conversations and like, he's just a joy to be around. And I thought, what, why did I give that up? Right. So I want to take you back to that moment. Uh, was there a specific moment in time? Was there a specific day? Uh, can you remember anything about that period? Or was it more of a gradual period and gradual realization that perhaps what you're doing is not um, is what, what you should be doing? Yeah. I think with most things, you know, you tend to remember the, um, the moment of impact more so than uh, all the signs that led up to it, if you like. So I definitely think I did have signs that led up to it. Um, I mean, even just being told by my son how miserable I was, you know, he he would point it out and that would kind of sting a lot. That's nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> he meant it in such a, it's in such a lovely, caring way right. though. Uh, and But I would explain it away and... You know, I would do all of the things that I actually didn't like in my parents because I had I had workaholic father and he would explain away all the reasons why he had to be absent and here I was doing that as right. well. So it was a moment in time and funnily enough, uh, it was a tweet from uh, one of my team members. So a strategist in my team had been researching um, parents with teenage children for a client and had written just some of her observations about these parents who were both simultaneously incredibly proud of these young adults that they had raised, but were also, they held this kind of sadness about the fact that they were about to leave the nest and that they weren't going to be around. And that, for whatever reason, that day when I read it, I don't think I read it as soon as she tweeted it. I think I read it like the day after and it hit me in the heart. And I literally crumbled to the ground. And that was the moment where I kind of realized I'm doing life wrong. Like (laughs) this is so wrong (laughs) that I am going to work. And at that point had been working really long hours for an extended period of time and was feeling the pressure of that. And so for that to happen, it it kind of took me out of my body Mm. and made me reevaluate from a very objective perspective. 
That's something I really want to dive a little bit deeper in. So you talked about the ego and how you made a decision with your head about um, accepting a job um, in New York, but then, but then you went from more of a place of your heart. Mm-hmm. And so if you had to give advice to somebody as to how, how do you do that? How do you make that switch from the head to your heart? Mm. Yeah, it takes work and... Um, actually I heard this wonderful thing, someone, you know, we talk about the work and it makes it sound really awful. And then I heard someone say, if we just said, we're going to love on that part of ourselves, you know, it just like changes the vibration of that. And so I, I've been trying to get, get rid of the words, the work, but it really does take love. So the head will try and the ego in particular will try and thwart you at every turn because it likes to feel significant and the heart is really, um, it's a soft place. It's a quiet place. It's very easy for it to, it, it is that, it, I think about sort of like a, a classroom of children and it's that quiet, <laughs> soft, gentle, kind little girl who never raises her hand because other people are like the first to kind of be stamping their feet and demanding attention but ultimately, when you do listen to her, she has some really incredible things to say. And so, yeah, it was a very deliberate, uh, it was a deliberate decision. I set myself a mantra for the year in 2018. So January 1, I was like, right, this is the year of following my heart. And I put it on my screensaver on my phone. Was so that I, your mantra? This is the year of following yeah, her? Yeah, 2018 mm-hmm. was follow my heart. And so it was on my screensaver on my phone And every day in uh, my meditation practice, I really focused on getting into my body and allowing the messages from my body to be what led me. Uh, Even in moments where I had to make quick decisions, I would stop, take a breath, get into my body, see what it was telling me. And of course, that's, I couldn't do that all of the time. Yes, I'm not perfect and no one is. But it's, it's the level of intention of, of doing those things in every moment that reconnected me to this wisdom of my heart. And then, of course, the challenge is when you get that message, the ego comes in even louder and is like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the ego is going to tell you how crazy that sounds, how, like you're going to fail, like all of these things, those words, that inner critic comes in. And I just had to be like, nope, my heart said this. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, this is exactly the training I actually got through the Human Potential Institute. That whole month of training was exactly how to get out of your head and into your body and how to connect with your intuition, how to connect with your heart and how to operate from that perspective. And I probably had it a little bit easier because I had some guidance in there. Um, and you experienced that you, you basically found your way, but, but these are exactly some of the things that, that people can do. Um, breathing, so important. Like, especially when you're like in fast life, stressed out uh, people. So I know I used to be a shallow breather mm-hmm. and just being able to connect deeper, deeper in your belly is so critical. I'm actually writing something on breathing right now. It just reminded me, but um, yeah, so important. And we're so dependent on that breath. And we so ignore it throughout the day. So, yeah, yeah. Connected, connecting, getting connected with your breath, super important. Your meditation practice, super important. Just having that quiet time to just sit down 
and just observe, you know, and not be judgmental and, um, and listen to what your heart is telling you. Critical. Uh, let me think of a couple of ways from a, from a human coaching perspective, just yeah. if I can help people uh, get from, from out of their head into their bodies, because this opens up so many doors. When people tell, ask me, like, how do I do more with less? you listen to your intuition um going for a walk or just doing you know getting some exercise or getting your body to move not necessarily like the hardcore exercise like i used to go you know to the gym and just go hard and because we had these type a personalities right i'm just gonna crush it on the treadmill and and work out and um that um got my sweat going but it just added more stress to my life uh where now i'm choosing i'm opting for for like slower movements you know like qigong and yoga and and a walk in nature like i live in lake tahoe so going out and connecting with the trees and nature is another way of getting in your body um dancing you know if, if you love dancing go dance i mean that connects you with your body i mean just any kind of experience cold shower, you know, I go and jump in the lake every once in a while. These are all the ways that, that get you out of your head and connect you with your body on a such deeper level. And there's so much intelligence that our bodies have that our head, that is such a small portion of our, of our whole body. Yeah, we have the analytical mind, but we need to connect with, with the intelligence of our entire body so that you can make these critical decisions that you're able to make and, and, and stick to your path. Because what you did takes a lot of courage. And that courage comes from your heart and from your whole body. Yes. Oh, it 100% couldn't have happened with just my head alone. There'd been multiple times in my career where I had, I had the thought that I needed to do something differently, uh, but hadn't then gone through with the connection to body, which as you say, it gives you the courage. Your, your, your head is speaking to you in words. And words are like, not only are they blunt instruments, but they are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're such a small part of the message. And also you have this ego, which doesn't necessarily have your best interest in heart. I mean, it has a purpose. It does keep us safe, let's be honest. <laughs> but it, you've got to be the balancing act between the the safety that is that is real and needed and and keeping you small you know there is there is a a fine line between those two things and i think that's that's where the intelligence of the body as you say is extraordinary and we're not taught this you know our entire education system is built around the mind it's not built around the wisdom of the body and so no wonder we all grow up thinking this is what we have to listen to. We have to listen to the thoughts in our head. Yeah, and I would actually argue that, that it's the intelligence of the body that keeps you safe um, mm-hmm. and not the mind. Because if you're in a stressful situation, you know, like, um, like something happens, like a bear is chasing you, you don't actually have time to think you're, you're acting um, because your body knows how to react to that stressor and how to actually bring blood to your, to your you know, um, le- legs, whether you're running away or you're, you know, you're freezing or you're charging that bear, right, from a complete stressor response. Um, it's an automatic built-in system. It actually doesn't come from the mind. Um, by the time it hits the mind, you're only running, you're way ahead. If you were to analyze that through your mind and say, wait, there's a bear there, what should I do? By that time, the bear would eat you. 
So, <laughs> of course, yeah, you're talking about fight or flight response. Yeah. I think that the ego safety is slightly different to that. It's a more social construct of safety and a, and a sense of self that allows us to construct boundaries and uh, to you know have a sense of who we are versus what are their problems and what are my problems and how can I construct that boundary. I think, of course, fight or flight is 100% a um, yeah. a part of the body and that's the beauty of meditation is that the body can use that to rewire our brain and that's that's the that's the awful part of it actually yeah. is, that, <laughs> is that we um when we start to perceive everything as being a threat that body is constantly in fight or flight response and that is what makes us so drained so it's really important to be able to um train yourself and train your mind to have a different response, an appropriate response um, to the level of um, demand that's going on around you. And that's what meditation is crucial for. So this is exactly a great leading to my next question. And that is, um, how do you take care of yourself when you become aware that you're going down that path of, of getting overworked and, and, get, and getting out of balance? Well, yeah. And I know meditation is one of them. What else do you do? Yeah, meditation is crucial. I mean, I did my teacher training uh, late last year, early this year, and uh, that has become a really fundamental part um, without meditation. And that, yes, there are, of course, days when things fall away, but it's like brushing your teeth. You know, when you leave the house with furry teeth, you notice it for the rest of the day. <laughs> and so uh, it's become as important as brushing my teeth twice a day. And that I think is is ground zero. Like without that, um, the, the day is completely different. Other things is um, hang breath. on just a second. Uh, like uh, on the meditation part, is there a, a certain type of meditation that that you're particularly fond of? Um, and and where did you get your teacher training? And are you currently teaching people to meditate? Yes. Uh, so my teacher, his name is Johnny Pollard. He um, started One Giant Mind. And so the One Giant Mind Teacher Training uh, Academy was where I studied. And it was, it's intense and incredible. And it's done with, um, in a cohort style model. So you're with other students that are all learning at the same pace as you are, which is incredible from a community perspective. And I highly recommend the course. Um, and now, yes, I do teach. So I teach a three-day uh, meditate, learn to meditate course. And that is in uh, the One Giant Mind being technique. So this is a technique that is born out of the Vedic tradition and the principles of Vedic meditation. But is a, uh, you know, you don't have to have a personalized mantra to be taught to Vedic meditation is a four-day course. Is There's a lot more ritual involved in that. This is, I think, more accessible to the general public or people that have never meditated before. It is Honestly, I had tried so many different types of meditation before I found this particular technique and every person that I have taught this technique, they immediately say, wow, it really is effortless. It really is uh, the easiest entry point and not only an entry point, but what I love about it is because it's a being technique, it is about establishing yourself in being. And that means any other meditative or meditation practices that you have you may have learned in a previous um, engagement, they become even better because you're kind of established in this, 
this sense of being and this um, you're able to train your brain to be in that more of the time, not just when your eyes are closed, but also when your eyes are open. So mm. I think that's, that is, that's why I say it's so fundamental because that's not just a twice a day eyes closed impact for me. That's that impacts when my eyes are open uh, in such a significant way. I love his um I love his meditations. I did uh, go through quite a few of his courses. Um I love his accent, I love his uh, his voice. And um you and I had talked about um I was going to look into it more and then just life life got in the way of that. Yeah. But yeah, I I definitely I'm more interested in learning more about that with you and we can talk uh more after the podcast. I um the the way I was able to establish a more consistent practice was through Light Watkins. And um he's wonderful. Yeah, he's a great guy. But the one thing he said that finally made sense to me was, you know, just sit comfortably. Mm-hmm. Because I was trying to, you know, I'm gonna sit on the floor on the pillow and my hips hurt start to hurt and my back starts to hurt, and then you're in pain, and all you can think about is like, when is this gonna be over? And light approach finally made sense to me he was just basically sit like you're gonna watch netflix close your eyes and when your body is comfortable you can actually your mind can 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 kind of be comfortable as well and it sounds like the 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 process of um of the vedic uh, meditation touches on the being part and and that's something i've learned through my mindfulness training again through the human potential institute that i did weeks and weeks with them and then i studied with tara brah and jack cornfield on more on the mindfulness approach and to me that's been completely life-changing because like you're saying it's not just about um that that 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes a day but it's just how you go about your entire day, including working, you know, I mean, it's even if when you're working, it's, it's like being mindful about what you're doing. And, and I think that's really, really powerful. And I do think you have a mindful journal project yes. going on. Yeah. So Tell I me about in that. In terms of other, other techniques uh, throughout the day, because, you know, it's, it's not a fail safe. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can meditate, but then still like the demands of life can be a little overwhelming. Uh, but it's it's catching yourself in those moments, as we said earlier, like breathing. Breathing yeah. is so important. Uh, and for me, journaling, and this came about in an interesting way. Um, when I was in New York, no one really takes downtime. No one just sits in the office and stares out the window to think. <laughs> People will walk past you and they'll be like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? <laughs> What are you so, looking at? <laughs> yes. So the, you know, they, they're looking busy, if you like. Um, so when you're journaling, you look like you're doing something actively, but it can be quite uh, a meditative practice, putting away your devices and spending 10, 15 minutes with analog piece of paper and pen <laughs> or pencil. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty transformative, particularly when the digital distractions can become really overwhelming. So that is what I began to do in my role um, at at, uh, an agency in New York. And after doing this for quite some time, I realized that I'd kind of created all these different prompts and methods to get myself to be laterally out of that particular moment in work and thinking uh, more laterally about 
the problem at hand or just completely checking out for 10 to 15 minutes and doing something that was uh, drawing or coloring or just free writing in my journal. And that would um, center me enough so that when I went back to the problem at work, the solution would come to me instantly. And usually it would be more creative than if I just stared at the screen for that 10 to 15 minutes. (laughs) Absolutely. So, so um, this is so critical for my daily life. I mean, every time I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do here? What's my solution? I just, I just leave the office and I go outside or like you're saying, journal or have a cup of tea or just stare at nature or the sky and do nothing for a little bit. So critical. I do want to learn more about your system. As you know, I, I, I've been using Bullet Journal um, for a little bit now, but tell me about your system. I'm very interested. Yeah, so it is a, a series of daily prompts. So it is designed to help you form a, a habit of 10 to 15 minutes a day. You can, of course, do it more than that if you like, but it's um, a series of prompts. It's in a 90-day journal format. Um, and we are going to launch in the new year a digital format, a sort of monthly subscription where you'll have this delivered to you digitally and you can use your own journal to do this. Uh, But it's small and it's lightweight so you can take it in in the bag with you. Uh, But it'll give you um, a prompt for the day. So there's a weekly intention setting exercise at the beginning of the week and then each day either has a prompt which is designed to help you notice more, to help you reflect or to help you be more curious and that's a spectrum of, of mindfulness, if you like. So noticing is, of course, expanding your awareness, being more still, um, and uh, allowing that expansion of awareness to um, settle the mind. Whereas reflection is, as my role as a strategist, you know, that is just about connecting dots. But you need to take time to connect dots. You need to take time to actually collect dots sometimes. So. <laughs> Reflection to me is, um, it is just as much about mindfulness as it is about reflecting on all of the pieces of data and information that you have collected in personal life and in professional life and and reflecting on the task at hand uh, in a new way. So that's what reflection is all about. Curiosity, which is the third sort of mode, if you like, is more active. It is, uh, is not as still. It is really requiring you to get up and take yourself out of your day-to-day and do something completely different. Put yourself maybe out of your comfort zone and uh, that will usually spark something innovative or creative that you wouldn't have thought about if you just sat at your desk. Okay, I have a question here. Um, what was the reasoning to go digital? Because as we talked about, you know, going analog and turning off all the digital devices is yes. is very um, important in our in our busy lives right now. So, so walk me through that strategic process that you yes. went through to go digital. I was um, hard and fast. This thing would not be digital um, for the first year. We're coming up to our first anniversary, and uh, a lot of people said to me, "This should be an app. This should be an app." And I just said, no, and this will never be an app. Uh, but what I think I have experienced through um, some other practice, a lunar practice that I have, is I get a twice a month, I get a, a guide emailed to me. I could get it mailed to me, but somehow I like I like having my own journal, my own amount of space to write. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the pieces of information uh, and feedback that we did get from people when we first launched the journal is some people wanted more room. 
to write. And so this gives them the opportunity of having the prompts and the prompts will arrive in a digital format, but it won't be for them to write on uh, or to digitally fill out, if you like. They will print that out or have it on their laptop uh, and use their own journal and their own paper. So still using the analog uh, capturing and mechanism of journaling, uh, but uh, having the prompts and the the inspiration and stimulus arrive digitally. I like it. How big is your community right now? Uh, it's mainly centered around Australia and the US. <laughs> <laughs> But that said, we have uh, a lot of people from Europe uh, who have, are really interested. And that was another reason for going digital is I don't have distribution in Europe, but I have a lot of interest out of Europe and also parts of um, Southeast Asia. So the digital will give those people an option of um, accessing and contributing to the community. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, we primarily have uh, our Instagram, which is where most of us connect. And then we also have a closed Facebook community for people who want to go a bit deeper in, and share a lot more of their own content in that environment. I mean, talking about um, this, it actually makes perfect sense to me because this is a very similar journey that I saw with Unhustle. When we first started, we were just going to do physical retreats and workshops, trying to get people out of, you know, staring at screens. And I really quickly found out that people from all over the world are inspired by the Unhustle movement and the Unhustle message. And I was getting people from Europe and like you're saying, China, a lot of people from Australia, a lot of people from the UK, Canada are going, well, yeah, I can do a retreat in Baja and in Lake Tahoe, but uh, to touch more lives and to, to, to help people change their lives in a, in a bigger scale, I have to do something digitally. And that's kind of how I started doing the online courses and the online programs. So it actually makes complete sense to me what you, <laughs> that you're, you're going the same route from yeah. a marketing strategy perspective. <laughs> Well, it's about impact, right, and being yeah. able to impact more people. And uh, I think being really clear around what using a paper, a piece of paper and a pen actually does for you physiologically, it's pretty compelling when people understand the difference between tapping on your phone or tapping on your computer and physically writing. It, it is wiring the brain in a completely different way, and that's an important part of the process. Oh, I'm excited to learn more about this. I'm definitely going to uh, follow you. So uh, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me most active on Instagram, uh, justine.bloom with an E, or the the Mindful series is, uh, is the Mindful Journal. And you can also find me on Facebook. I am also on Twitter, but I'm a bit hibernating from Twitter because it's a, it's a strange place at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so one final question um what's your advice to people as to how to um unhustle my advice would be uh to create a ritual for yourself to reconnect with your body and your body is always there that's the thing it is it doesn't go offline it's just that your awareness of it goes offline So um, making whatever that ritual is, it doesn't have to be meditation. I think some people meditation, it feels, uh, it feels like a lot, particularly if you don't have a teacher or a guide. So it can be anything. It can be just having breakfast without your devices and being out in nature. It can be anything, but so long as you feel that in your body and notice what you feel in your body and let it speak to you, 
that is my number one piece of advice. Thank you so much, Justine. I really appreciate your time today. And, Thank you um, for having me. Absolutely. Um, have a great day. Stay on Hustle. <laughs> I will. Thank you for listening to the Unhustle podcast, a place where we have real, unedited conversations with inspiring people. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. Connect with us at unhustle.com and sign up for our email newsletter so we can send you more tips to live unhustled. If you know someone who needs to be on this podcast as a guest, let us know. Share this podcast with a friend and leave a review to help more people find it. We're counting on you to tell people about the Unhustle movement, a new way of living. We look forward to hearing your story and how we helped you change your life.